Welcome to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bronchick is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. This morning, we're going we're, we're, we're to talk about uh, this morning foreclosure investing, and we, we could spend literally hours and days talking about all the different ways to do it, but I wanted to give sort of like a 360-degree view of foreclosure investing and the ways uh, that you can attack the foreclosure process uh, along the way to make a profit. Um, so we start with um, you know just some definitions, you know the basic stages of foreclosure. So uh, we have one is default. So someone makes doesn't make a payment, uh, and after uh, 30 days they're in default. You know two payments, three payments, four payments, etc. Um, at some point the lender is going to send an acceleration notice, which is just hey you, you know we're not taking it anymore. Uh, we we're going to start foreclosure unless you pay this off in 30 days. In the interim, they send all kinds of loan modification um, or, or uh, workout packages and things like that. But generally speaking, um, the, the big notice is the one, uh, the notice of acceleration. Uh, and then after that, depends on whether you're in a foreclosure state or a non, uh, excuse me, a judicial foreclosure versus a non-judicial foreclosure state. So in judicial foreclosure states where they use mortgages, um, the next step is they file what's called a list pendants. And a list pendants, that's uh, Latin for notice of pending action. So uh, right before they file the, the lawsuit for the foreclosure in a mortgage state, they're going to file a, a list pendants against the property to let everybody know that there's this action pending. Okay, um, That is the first public notice, which everybody picks up and you know is able to contact the homeowner from. Uh, after that, they're going to start a lawsuit, just like every other lawsuit, uh, summons served on the homeowner with a complaint for foreclosure. Um, if the homeowner doesn't answer, then the lender gets a default judgment of foreclosure. The judge is going to then uh, order it for sale. There'll be an auction and, you know, you, uh, a lot of you have been to auctions. You know what happens there. If no one else bids but the lender. The lender owns it. If someone else bids above the lender, they own it. Okay. Uh, now, there's a little bit of stuff that happens after the foreclosure sale, which I'll touch on in just a little bit. But that's the basic stages. So, yeah, stage one is default. Stage two is uh, the notice of acceleration. Stage three is the beginning of the foreclosure proceeding, uh, auction, and then in some states we're going to have passed out a redemption. Now, in a non-judicial foreclosure state, that's like Colorado, Texas, California, et cetera, where they use uh, deeds of trust instead of mortgages, um, it's not a lawsuit. So there's no list pendants filed. The first notice is what's called a notice of default uh, or an NOD. In Colorado, we call it an NED, but it's the same thing. Uh, it's the first notice that the trustee sends out. Um, that begins the foreclosure process. They publish it in a newspaper for a number of weeks or months, depending on your state. And then they go right to the uh, foreclosure sale. And, and from there, it's the same as uh, the regular judicial foreclosure. Okay. Um, now, let's... Um, also talk about redemption rights. Uh, some states have what are called redemption rights. That's a right of the homeowner after the, the foreclosure sale to basically get their house back. 
Um, so, for example, if there's a one-month um, um, owner redemption, the owner could come up with not the not the amount of the mortgage, but the amount of the high bid. So, if someone overbid the bank, that's the amount they have to pay. And in most states, if there is an overbid and there's no other liens on the property, then the homeowner is going to get the difference. So, for example, if they owe 100 and then the bank bids 100 and some investor bids 150 and they're the winner, um, you know, after all the costs and everything are eaten up, the balance of that 50000 is going to go to the homeowner. If there is a second mortgage on the property or a third or other liens, then they're going to eat that up first before the homeowner gets it. Don't want to get too far into the technicalities, but just wanted you to understand, um, you know, what happens uh, with the bid and the overbid and so forth. Um, now, that's a, a redemption is the right to buy your property back after the sale. So the homeowner in that case would have to pay one fifty plus attorney's fees and costs of interest and all that um, to get their house back, not the hundred that they originally owed or was originally bid. Okay. Um, Colorado, like many other states, have what are called leaner redemptions. A leaner redemption is the right of a mortgage behind the one being foreclosed, or they call that a junior or subordinate mortgage, to redeem. So, for example, if there's a first of, of uh, 100 um, and a second of 50, and uh, the property's worth 250. So the bank starts the bidding at 100. That's what they're owed on the first. They're the one foreclosing. Uh, a home, an investor bids 150, and they're the winner. Okay. Um, the second mortgage could step in and redeem and pay the 150, and they get the property. Okay. And of course, the the the, the 150 goes to make uh, the other investor who bid whole, so they don't lose any money. They just get out redeemed, basically. Okay, so that's those are opportunities after the foreclosure sale. There's a lot of little technicalities in there which I don't want to get into. That's sort of an advanced discussion of foreclosures, but just make sure you understand what's there. So basically, we're going to focus on. Um, um, the stage from default all the way up to the auction. Uh, after the auction, uh, there are redemption issues. There are leaner redemption, owner redemption techniques. There are opportunities to buy it from the lender after they've foreclosed if they're the high bidder. Uh, but we're not going to get into that in this discussion. We're going to focus on before. Now, before we do, I want to uh, um, distinguish uh, a couple of terms here because people use the, the expression pre-foreclosure. Uh, what does that mean, pre-foreclosure? Because some people would say, well, any time up to the sale date, that's pre-foreclosure. Um, and then other people would say, no, before the foreclosure is filed, either the summons and complaint or the notice of default, that's pre-foreclosure. Uh, nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. We just, for our discussion, let's let's agree uh, on uh, the, the vernacular so we, we don't get confused. So in, in my mind, uh, pre-foreclosure means pre the filing of the legal action. So um, it's the time they stop making payments up to the point where the first legal notice is filed. That's pre-foreclosure. Um, and then the time between that and the auction uh, date would be the, the the pending foreclosure action period. Okay. So as pre-foreclosure would be before 
the legal notices, and then uh, pre-auction would be the period uh, from that and up until the auction date. Okay. So basically, you know, I try to make it as simple as possible because foreclosure investing can be very confusing. A lot of people uh, get carried away with all the technicalities and the millions of ways you can do this, uh, and there are. But let me try to boil it down uh, to the simple, which I have a, um, a, a people tell me I have a talent of doing, taking complex topics and making them simple. So basically, there's three scenarios you're going to come across with someone who's in foreclosure before the auction. So any time before the auction, um, number one, they're going to either have lots of equity. Number two, they're going to have a little bit of equity. And when I say a little, I meant you know maybe twenty percent, fifteen percent or less. Um, and then, or number three, they're going to have zero equity or negative equity, upside down. Um, so let's talk about those scenarios and what you can do in those scenarios. First thing you do when someone approaches you in foreclosure uh, or you approach them uh, is which box does it fall in? Is it lots of equity, little equity, no equity? When I say lots of equity, I mean like, you know, they got 50% or 40% equity above the, the mortgage in default. Um, lots of equity, a lot of people chase after those, but the problem is there's lots of competition. The simplest and easiest thing to do would be to just buy the property for cash. So if it's worth a hundred, they owe fifty or sixty with um, you know back payments and interest and attorneys fees and everything. It's it, it's in the foreclosure process uh, or it's pre foreclosure doesn't matter. Um, there's 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 money due and owing and it's racking up. You could simply say, Mr. Seller, I'll buy your house for seventy thousand dollars. Sign a contract at closing. You're they'll it'll pay off their mortgage. Maybe put a little bit of money in their pocket. Okay, no different than any other closing, except that you know the the seller's loan instead of getting a payoff, uh, you know from a from a bank, you're probably getting your payoff from a, from the lawyer's office or from another source, from the trustee, uh, sometimes from the bank themselves. Uh, obviously, simple one. Most people go that route. Uh, it's very competitive. And it's tough to do because homeowners who have equity have options. They can refi, they could sell, they can you know borrow, and so forth. Um, the other way to do it, let's say you know it's worth two hundred, and they only owe a hundred. That's a lot of equity. Um, so a homeowner is probably not going to take a hundred and ten or a hundred and twenty uh, and give you eighty thousand equity. Um, so maybe you buy the property. Uh, by taking over the seller's mortgage subject to the subject to, which means uh, we're not going to pay off the mortgage. We're just going to have them deed it over to us. And at closing, we'll make up the back payments. You can only do this before the auction. You can't do this after the auction, obviously. Um, and after the auction, you got to pay it all. But before the auction, let's say they're 10,000 in arrears. Um, and uh, that that's included in the total of a hundred owed. So if you gave the seller some cash, and then they deed the property over to you, you at closing make up the back payments, and then you start making the payments, rent it out, fix it up, sell it, do whatever. Um, but again, a seller may not be willing to walk away with you know twenty thousand dollars for his hundred thousand equity. Um, in that case, you may give the seller the option of uh, cash and a promissory note. So 
So let's say you agree on a total price of 150. They owe 100. You give them 10 grand at closing and a $40,000 note, which is going to be a second lien against the property. So you know, there's a couple of different ways you can do it when they have a lot of equity. Okay. If you plan on reselling the property quickly, like you're, you're buying it and then you're going to fix it up and resell it quickly, then you might just give them a note that's due when you resell it. If you're going to keep it as a rental, then just give them uh, some reasonable rate of interest on the note and, and, and over a long period of time pay it off. Okay. So that's you know the basic two options that are most likely if they have lots of equity. If they have a little bit of equity, maybe 10%, 15%, you know, or less. Um, same basic thing, except without the second, meaning we're going to take the property at closing subject to the existing mortgage if it has a good interest rate, um, make up the back payments if it's not exorbitant, and you're going to buy the property subject to the existing mortgage and maybe give the seller a little cash at closing. Maybe not. I mean, there's there's the benefit to him that he's not going through the foreclosure and not getting his credit ruined because you're making the loan current again. So you're saving their credit. Um, if there's enough room in there to give them a couple of thousand bucks, maybe you do that as well. And then it's your property to do with what you want. You can you know, you could rent it, you can sell it, you can lease option it, you can do whatever, and you're just making the existing buyer's loan, seller's loan payments. Now, in those, um, the formula is a little difficult to assess on a you know standard basis of what is a good deal in that realm. Um, but I'll just give you some factors that you want to look at to determine whether this is worth doing to you. Um, and the first one is one, how much equity is there? Um, two, does the house need any work? Um, three, what's the mortgage you're taking over? Is it is it a fixed or adjustable? Is it three percent or six percent? Um, is it, and uh, number four would be what do you have to do to cure the back payments? Is it five grand, ten grand, twenty grand? Um, and so you have to just sort of balance, you know, the numbers a little bit off each other and see whether it makes sense to buy the property subject to it. Are they living there? Do you have to throw them out or, or ask them to leave it closing? Or are you going to rent it back after closing, which is probably a bad idea? Um, or they're just going to stay in a couple of months and then leave and then they don't. So you got to balance all those factors in when looking at a subject to deal like this that has very little equity. Um, and then the third scenario was they have no equity. It's worth 300, they owe 300 or 350. Um, so you could, you could, if it's about break even and the interest rate is really low, especially if they've had a loan modification where it's like 2% for the next five years, that may be worth doing a subject to, cure the back payments and take subject to, even though all in all, you're upside down on the investment, meaning you have more in the property than it's worth. But if the interest rate's 2% and you could rent it for four or $500 a month cash flow for five years, that's probably worth it. Um, if the rate then readjusts back from two to five, um, hopefully rents have gone up. 
the property has gone up in value and the loan has been paid down more. So you have more equity. And at that point, you can, you know, maybe refi uh, or sell or or do or something else. OK, so um, it's on a lot of these deals with subject to it's more important the terms of the loan than it is the equity, in my experience. Um, if it's in, a, in, a, in an area where things are just not going up in value at all um, and they owe three fifty on a three hundred thousand dollar property, I don't think I'd do it. Um, but if it's a little bit, you know, brought break even or a little bit upside down and um, the interest rate is really low, uh, that's worth looking at. Um, another way with a no equity property would be a combination of, of, of a forbearance or a loan modification and then taking subject to. So you get a power of attorney from the seller, you negotiate a forbearance where they take those ten or fifteen thousand dollars in back payments, stick it on the back of the loan, and maybe even drop the interest rate on it for a while. And then once you get that negotiated, then the seller can transfer the property to you for a few bucks, and now it's your deal. Okay. Again, even if it's upside down, if you've got them to take all those payments. Stick them on the back of the loan, so all you have to come up with is next month's payment, and it's at three percent or two percent interest for five years. That's pretty good. You know, you don't have to have a ton of equity to make money. And remember, this is not your loan. You're not assuming the loan in any of these cases. So if it goes further upside down or the market crashes, you're not on the hook for that loan. It was the seller's loan. Okay. And then finally, uh, the obvious one for no equity or negative equity, the short sale. So going to the bank and negotiating one or more of the liens on the property, either a lien being a mortgage, second mortgage, line of credit, um, or some kind of other judgment, IRS lien, or something like that that you can uh, get a short on, you get that short approved by that lien holder, and then you from there you can buy the house, flip it, keep it as a rental, whatever. Uh, and in, the, in that case, though, you can't take over existing financing like a subject to because what you're doing is you're asking the lender, uh, you take a short and I'll pay you all off in cash at closing. Okay, so if it's worth two hundred, they owe two fifty. You get them the the lender to accept one fifty in lieu of two fifty, and then you go to closing and buy it with a cash, a loan, or something else. Okay, so just to review, um, the basic stages of foreclosure: we've got uh, the the default, the notice of acceleration, the beginning of the foreclosure process, the auction and then possibly a redemption, or it goes to the bank bank owned. Um, in judicial states where they use mortgages, it's a mortgage foreclosure. In non-judicial states where they use deeds of trust, it's a non-judicial foreclosure. Um, and basically, you know, you, you just got to look at a deal from ABC. Is it does it have lots of equity, a little bit of equity, no equity, and then from there, you know, plug in one of those formulas, and that's just a, I mean, that that's about it. I mean, that's about the way you attack a foreclosure. Now, there are lots of strategies as I mentioned for you know for auction purchase. You can buy at the auction. You can buy from the bank. You can deal in uh, junior liens and lien redemptions, but that's 
a topic for another day. Um, but th- this is the basics of foreclosure investing up until the date of sale. Thank you for listening to Bill Bonchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. 